Hey, y'all. It's the NPR Politics Podcast, here with results from Tuesday night's New York State primary. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump won the night. Once again, there's no place like home. <laughs> Thank you, New York. We love New York. We love New York. Thank you very much, everybody. And as we have on quite a few late Tuesday nights, we are here to discuss the early results and what's next. I'm Sam Sanders, campaign reporter. I'm Scott Detrow. I cover tech in the campaign. And I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. And yes, I am wearing my Mets hat. And I'm wearing a Yankees hat. (laughs) And I'm just a person wearing no hat. (laughs) Sports. So, Domenico, it is, what, like 10, 30 or so Tuesday night. Uh, just saying that because some of the things that we discuss might change a bit. But let's start with the Democrats. New York was considered a must-win state for Hillary Clinton, and she won it. One, break down those numbers and tell us what that means. Well, Hillary Clinton tonight, this is a big win for her. She needed to win New York just because it's where she lives. You know, it's her adopted home state. She needed to stop the Sanders narrative that he was turning things around. He'd won seven of eight states. They drilled that in. But winning New York for Hillary Clinton, a huge cache of delegates in New York state, even if she were to win it 53-47, let's say, and it was a bigger margin than that uh, for most of the evening, if she were to win that, Bernie Sanders needs 59% of all remaining delegates to get a pledged majority, a majority of pledged delegates. That is very, very difficult to overcome. And you have a slew of races next week on April 26th in the Northeast again and all closed primaries. And, you know, looking at the results, we have two things going on at this point. We have the delegate numbers. But there's also the the political momentum, the big picture story that happens here. And this is a big win for Hillary Clinton uh, after a very long stretch of win after win after win from Bernie Sanders, some of them by very large margins. So this was something that, that the Clinton campaign could feel good about. It's her first win since Arizona. And it pivots to a calendar that looks much better for Hillary Clinton than Bernie Sanders over the next few weeks compared to the last stretch of states we went through. I got a question about the whole momentum storyline that Bernie had. You know, a lot of the states that Bernie Sanders won recently, they were caucus states, which favor him. They were whiter states, which favor him. And with New York, a lot of the factors in that state favor Clinton. Closed primary, more diverse population, etc. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about this momentum narrative. It's about the factors at play that make a state favor Clinton or Sanders, right? The only reason momentum matters is if it can change what has usually happened. And unfortunately for Bernie Sanders in this race, it's like a Rosetta Stone. You know who is going to win with what groups. They are locked in. Bernie Sanders wins 80% plus of young voters. Hillary Clinton wins older voters uh, More in more diverse states. She yeah. wins black voters, Latinos. When you just factor all that stuff in. You can predict. You can predict exactly where and who's going to win. And And guess what? That favors Hillary Clinton because she has a broader, more diverse coalition. Yeah. And and also, I I do think, though, that this factor of momentum matters for Sanders because I'm sure that he's been fundraising quite well these past several wins. And And he can now afford to stay in this race until the convention, right? Though we were uh, we were talking to one of his top strategists uh, on the show we just wrapped up a few minutes ago, Tad Devine, and he was saying, you know, look, Bernie Sanders is gaining more and more momentum. More and more people are getting behind Bernie Sanders. He's 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 rising in the national polls. But the thing is, you know, every time Sanders won, we would say this is a good night for Bernie Sanders, but he needs to do this over and over and over and over again to catch Hillary Clinton. And now Clinton has won. Uh, we don't know the final margins, but it's going to be a 
probably a double-digit win, look, hmm. looking at the numbers as we see them now. And and that's in a state that uh, has awarded more delegates than any other state on the Democratic side so far. Now, I do think we need to address two things that I've been seeing trend tonight. Um, lots of voters complaining that they would have had to register as Democrats months and months ago. And at the same time, these reports of tens of thousands of voters being purged from voter rolls. The mayor had a statement about that. And then tonight in Brooklyn, a lot, there have been complaints from voters about being turned away, uh, the rolls not being right. Well, I think there's two different things here. The the purging issue is, is definitely a legitimate concern. That's something that WNYC, our member station in New York, was actually one of the first, uh, I think the first uh, outlet to report and say something's going on here. Something like 100,000 people were uh, were booted from the, from the rolls in Brooklyn. And this is something that states do routinely do from time to time. You know, I lived in New York a decade ago and I checked last year. I was still a registered voter there. So, you know, like I think I needed to be purged from the rolls there. But I think the concern was it happening at such a rapid number and so close to the actual voting there's there's no room for error if you show up at, at the polls and your name's not listed but you're a legitimate voter you know that's obviously a problem yeah, so i mean in new york of course there're going to be allegations cuz if clinton wins then you've got the situation where she was a former senator and probably has ties to people within within the state but the city and the state have they're going to have to have major conversations about how to run these kinds of campaigns going forward because as we've kicked the tires and looked under the hood of the way a lot of these these elections are run, they're just not done efficiently and with a whole heck of a lot of transparency for regular people. So before we talk about the GOP side of the race, uh, I want some numbers really quick, Domenico. What does Bernie Sanders need to do going forward uh, to still have a chance to win the nomination? Well, the number we're talking about here, this 59 percent, maybe 60, maybe 58 uh, That is just to win a majority of pledged delegates. That means that Bernie Sanders, for all the contests that remain, which aren't that many, about a dozen, a little bit more than a dozen states remaining, he's going to have to win an average of 59% of the vote in each of those states going forward, including in California, which votes on June 7th. And that's the hope that they're holding out. All right, let's talk about the GOP side. Donald Trump (laughs) won big tonight. That was not a surprise. Um, And like Clinton, his margin of victory is also going to be important. Why is that? The delegates are awarded a bit differently, right? And that's right. And that's because, you know, on the Democratic side, it's pretty consistent. Every single state divides up its delegates the same way. But on the Republican side, you know, it's a totally different ballgame no matter what state you're in. You know, it it differs from place to place to place. And, And here's how it works in New York. There are 95 delegates The bulk of them, 81 of them, are given out on a congressional district basis. So there's 27 congressional districts. There's three delegates in each district. And if you win the congressional district, you get two delegates and the second place finisher gets one. But if you get over 50 percent in that district, you get to take all three. And this all matters because of how close Donald Trump's margin is for error on his path to getting that 1,237 delegates that he needs to clinch the nomination in June and avoid a messy, crazy, historic floor flight at the Cleveland convention. You want that delegate math? We got that delegate math. <laughs> math. Man. <laughs> well, it's it's important because the never Trump people were trying to go congressional district by congressional district, inch by inch, but they, they were trying to keep him below 50% in each congressional district or in any congressional district They're spending millions of dollars just to try to peel off what could be maybe 10, 14 delegates. Let's talk about that other guy there, Ted Cruz. What does this night mean for him? It means that 
he might want to rethink uh, going to visit New York very often. Yeah, because... it just wasn't a good time for him. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Just like Bernie Sanders, Ted Cruz had a really good stretch over the last few weeks. He won Wisconsin by wide margins. Then he went to several of these uh, state-level conventions that He's picked been delegates. Racking up wins there. Yeah, just running the table, taking all the delegates that Colorado, North Dakota, Wyoming had to offer. So he was on a really big hot streak, and now Donald Trump has kind of reestablished himself. He's going to win really big in New York. And the other thing is that uh, the states coming up next are not the type of states where Ted Cruz has done well. We've got a lot of northeastern states coming up next week, places like Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut. And there's still a lot of states to come where Ted Cruz can do pretty well. States like, you know, Nebraska. He's won similar states like Kansas. But Donald Trump has a chance to kind of get back in the game here and get back on that track to 1237. Cruz is almost mathematically eliminated. Donald Trump said that tonight. He's over 90 percent of the delegates needed to be the nominee. That's this is not the ball game for him. He doesn't care about the 1237, all right? He is is banking on a contested convention and a second, third ballot convention where he can win if Donald Trump is kept below a majority. And that's the ballgame he's playing for. It's a, it, and, and that's why he's going to a lot of these delegates and trying to get their allegiance on a second ballot. But as we've discussed... The as, as Trump continues to rack up delegates, the likelihood of a second or third ballot becomes less likely. And if Trump goes into that convention close enough, there's a good chance the party and these unpledged delegates just give it to him, right? But, but that's where Cruz is banking on his superior organizational skills and and hoping to replicate what he's been doing in these state level conventions, where they've got they've got floor counts, they've got whips, they're texting people at these conventions, they're calling them, they're roping them together, they're doing everything that you would need to do to line up. And the Trump campaign just hasn't been that organized uh, so far. That's why Trump's brought in a lot of more experienced strategists who've done this type of stuff before. But Cruz is banking on going into the convention. And even if Trump has way more delegates than him... And more popular votes. And more popular votes, Cruz thinks that he can outmaneuver him there. And that's why you hear Donald Trump setting the stage for this so much, saying the system is rigged, people are trying to steal away your vote. This is this is ridiculous. But we got to point and, out that and, the majority of Republican voters indicate that they want the person that gets the most votes and the most delegates to be the nominee. I was just going to say about two thirds of of Republicans in national polls have said that they want whoever has the most votes to be the nominee. And tonight in New York in the exit polls, 72 percent, almost three quarters of Republicans said that they want uh, whoever has the most votes to be the Republican nominee. So then if Cruz does manage this feat of being a second or third round pick, does he end up being like the most hated nominee of all time? Like, is that a place you want to be in? Well, there's a lot of ground to go before we get yes, to that point. Yes, and we have yes, to see yes. where Donald Trump actually finishes and how far below it. I mean, because then you have the idea of a third or fourth ballot where John Kasich thinks that he can pick up where these two guys, if they can't get to a majority, that they're banking on changing the rules and allowing somebody in like Kasich who they feel like can run Ryan, over an entire majority. Ryan, Ryan's already Ryan. said he's out. No, no, Ryan. I thought you were doing a sports thing. Just Paul Ryan. It was Paul, Paul Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. That's oh. when the masses start sports, calling yes. Paul Ryan. They often do to... chant in sport. Listen, That's true, listen, Sam. Listen, listen, We're going to wrap this up. <laughs> Domenico, every week in our political roundup, we share a thing that we cannot let go, something we were a little obsessed with during the week. You have one early. What is it? Yeah, I've been obsessed for like a dozen years with like Mike Bloomberg's Spanish. Uh, and we've uh, we've got a, a little clip of what he used to do at the end of every press conference. Uh, we'll take some questions, but first let me just try to summarize 
summarize for our Spanish-speaking audience. No, don't. Los vehículos que fueron abandonados <laughs> en la calle durante la tormenta nos han dificultado la limpieza, pero estamos haciendo okay, stop todo. Okay, I can't take any more. I actually can't If you take want more, more than where that came from, there is a Twitter account called El Blumbito that just retweets Mike Bloomberg in Spanish. 74,000 people follow it. Ay, Dios mío. It's so good. All right, we're going to call it a night. We've got more politics in store for you in our weekly roundup on Thursday. Until then, I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Scott Detrow. And I'm Domenico Montanaro. We will see you next time on the NPR Politics Podcast. Mm-hmm.